you're listening to the Dietitian Cafe brought to you by New Ultra, where we discuss the world of nutrition and dietetics. My name is Harriet Smith and I'm a registered dietitian and founder of HRS Communications. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Sue Briley Hobson and Rachel Gibson to explore becoming a dietitian in later life. In this episode, we'll be talking about the reasons why they both switched from their previous careers to dietetics and how they have found this change. Sue and Rachel are certainly not alone in coming to dietetics as a second profession. In fact, when we were looking for guests for this podcast, we put a shout out on social media and we were honestly inundated by um, messages from dietitians who've had really interesting and varied professional backgrounds ranging from interior design to banking to architecture, teaching and beauty. So it's a real pleasure to have Sue and Rachel with us on the podcast. And without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Sue to tell us a bit more about her background. Thanks, Harriet. And and hello to everyone who's listening to the podcast. Um, So, yeah, I'm the head of dietetics in the central area of uh, Betsy Cadwalder University Health Board, which is in North Wales. And I'm the professional lead for nutrition and dietetic services across North Wales. Um, I graduated with a degree in nutrition and dietetics from the University of Chester in 2007, and I went on to complete my MSc in advanced clinical practice at Bangui Uni, um, which was in 2018. Um, I'm really passionate about promoting the worth of the dietetic profession. I've got a particular interest in improving nutrition practice in hospital settings, and I'm a keen interest in using research to advance understanding of how nutrition can influence patient outcomes. Um, my area of interest in research is in critical care nutrition. I'm around halfway through a PhD, which I'm completing part time, uh, in which I'm investigating the influence of history on the implementation of nutrition best pr- practice in the critical care. Um, I'm using a qualitative approach, which is quite new for me. Um, in what feels like another lifetime in my previous career, I was a professional dancer. I trained largely in ballet, but also broadly in theatre arts. I enjoyed a career dancing and travelling on cruise ships until 1999, uh, where I performed in an array of fun and fabulous shows. <laughs> that was enough from me. Thank you so much, Sue. That all sounds really exciting and look forward to hearing more about it later in the show. Rachel, we'd love to hear a bit more about your background. Thanks, Harriet. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I'm a... Um, lecturer in nutrition and dietetics at uh, King's College in London. Um, so I kind of taken, I've t- taken the research route after um, graduating in uh, dietetics um, from King's in 2013. Um, so I went on to um, study a PhD at Imperial College and my research was really focused around um, workplace health and nutrition um, and my PhD was looking at uh, the dietary intake of British police force officers which was a really interesting uh, study um, and in my previous career um, I had I studied a first degree in uh, retail marketing at Manchester Metropolitan University I graduated in 1996 I then worked for over a decade in the fashion industry. So I started out as a fashion buyer um, and then moving into more kind of managerial um, and project management and commercial management roles. Um, and then with a brief um, foray into um, food service where I was a director of a startup food um, company, um, which yeah, they just kind of sparked my interest in, um, in nutrition. So thank you. So I look forward to kind of, uh, yeah, 
answering a few more questions. Thank you so much, Rachel. It's great to hear that we've got such a diverse background amongst the two of you. I just want to begin by um, jumping into our quick fire round of questions so that we can get to know you a little bit in, in a bit more detail. So first of all, I'd love to know what is your favorite hobby, Sue? Um, hanging out with my working cocker spaniels. I've got two chocolate uh uh, coloured working cocker spaniels who are completely bonkers and I love them so hanging out with them is my main hobby <laughs> oh lovely and what about you Rachel are you a dog fan I am I'm just in the process of uh, adopting um, a rescued uh, greyhound um, so yeah so at the moment that's kind of training the greyhound but I also love walking as well um, so particularly around London um, yeah that's kind of how I kind of switch off Great, thank you. And Sue, what inspires you? Where do you get your inspiration from? I'm inspired by anyone who perseveres through challenging times and adversity to reach their goals, whatever those goals are, small or large. Thank you very much. Rachel, how about you? Yeah, very similar. It is, it's kind of, it's hard to name people because through my career, there's been so many people that have been inspirational, but it is people who've kind of got the vision and kind of seem to have progressed where they are with good work ethics and um, yeah, appreciation of fairness um, in what, what they do. Well, I'm sure that the two of you will hopefully inspire our listeners after this episode as well, especially people considering a career in dietetics later in their lives. Final question for this round is, can you describe yourself in three words, Sue? Um, three words, you said five. <laughs> I'll give you five. I'll give you five. Go on then. Um, I found this really this really hard. So I did ask some friends to help me out with this. So because um, it's really hard describing yourself. Anyway, so uh, dedicated, driven, optimistic, warm, and fun. Brilliant. That sounds like a yeah great description from your friends. <laughs> How about you, Rachel? How would you describe yourself? Uh, okay. Well, I went for a bit. So uh, I'd say I'm a Yorkshire lass, um, but um, I can be very overzealous on planning. So I think that's uh, and I kind of yeah how uh, some people sum sum me up in my life. Um, yeah, <laughs> probably beneficial in an academic setting, I imagine. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Lovely. Well, thank you so much for your answers to our quickfire questions. Sue, I want to come to you first for our question about um, coming to dietetics later in life. Can you set the scene a bit about your background as a ballet dancer? I'm fascinated to hear about why you decided to leave ballet and, and join the dietetic profession. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Harriet. Yeah. So, um, well, having attended uh, a professional ballet school, um, my initial aim was to pursue a career in pure ballet, but that was cut short in my early 20s because of an injury. I had a long-standing Achilles injury, which just couldn't cope with um, uh, the requirement for point work, etc. So, um, but I was really fortunate to continue my dance career straight away um, on cruise ships. So that was from early 1992 when I was 21. Um, this allowed me to um, enjoy a, a mixed range of, of, of dance styles, but also including those I'd learned in ballet. So for a few years, I worked in a partnership with a male fellow ex-ballet dancer, and we were hired together as a double act, um, doing some of the kinds of routines that people have become familiar with, um, watching um, Strictly Come Dancing, that type of thing. Um, in addition, I would dance as part of the wider troupe in the large professional production shows um, and I worked as a dancer on ships until 1999 um, and I became a line captain towards the end of that time. 
Um, as a dancer, you do know that for most people, your career dancing is finite. Um, many go on to, you know, most of my friends have gone on to teach in theatre or dance. Um, they've gone on to choreograph or they work in health and fitness, for example. Um, I'd always known that I didn't really have an interest in that type of career pathway in the future. I just I just knew that wasn't for me. Um, although I and so I, I kind of known that I'd need to do something else. And um, I just had no idea what that something else might be. So I'd made a rough life plan um, that I'd probably stop dancing when I was about 30 so that I could actively p- uh, pursue the, the nebulous something else, whatever that might be. And that is what I did. So I didn't have a specific trajectory to end my dance career. I just knew that if I was going to find something else that was going to be meaningful, I would probably need to do that sooner rather than later. So, yeah, I ended my dance career about 29 and a half years old. <laughs> I'm really curious to hear, do you still dance, Sue? I have done bits and bobs. I stay very, very active, but not necessarily in dance. Because of where I live, there are few opportunities, or there certainly had been up until more recently, um, fewer opportunities to get involved in in, in um, adult dance classes. There are some now, actually, and I have done a few um, adult ballet classes along the way, but it's not something I do t- lots of anymore. Thank you so much for sharing that, Sue. I'm just going to come over to Rachel at this point and ask you, Rachel, what made you switch from working in a business sector to dietetics? And do you think that you've taken any of those skills into your dietetic career today? Yeah, so I, yes, yeah, so working in, in fashion after 10 years, I, it was, it was great. I enjoyed it. I moved down to London um, to take the job. So I really enjoyed my, my career in the fashion industry, but after 10 years, I was kind of wanting a, a bit of a change, not sure what that would be. And then um, somebody I was working with was starting up uh, a startup um, food um, service um, business um, and asked me if I wanted to um, join as the, the director. So basically overseeing the setup, um, which I love because I love planning um, and um, yeah, I'm with my marketing background. So that was great, but startup businesses in London, um, obviously high failure rate. Um, so yes, that was kind of, um, unfortunately it didn't work out. Um, so the business closed after um, about three years. Um, but during that time, um, it was a healthy eating um, business that we were setting up. So we had consultant dietitians that we worked with and that helped develop um, the menu and um, also the labelling and things like health claims, because obviously this, this was kind of going to be our unique selling point um, for, for the brand. So when um, the, the business folded, um, just really kind of thought about what I wanted to do, whether I wanted to go back into fashion, whether I wanted to maybe, I did consider academia at that point, but going back into onto the business side. Um, but then I did explore um, the nutrition and dietetics side more um, and spoke to a consultant dietitian that I worked with and managed to get a bit more, find out a bit more about dietetics and did some shadowing and in community and in the hospital setting. And yeah, just really thought that I had a skill set that I could bring to it um, from obviously the work that I've done in, in business. Um, and also it was just a kind of a new challenge and a diversity of the job role and that's kind of what I liked about working in fashion and the startup company is something I need new challenges and I felt that uh, dietetics would bring bring that as a career. And prior to um, 
joining dietetics. Did you have any knowledge of dietitians before you were working in that startup? No, nothing. <laughs> and it, it didn't, even when I was at school, I mean, I never studied science um, after um, kind of GCSE. Um, and it was, yeah, I was not aware of, of the world of dietitians um, until kind of my, my 30s. Um, and Sue, um, when we were chatting before, you said to you said to me that you had had a conversation, I think, with a next door neighbour, and, and that's when you became aware of the role of a dietitian. Had you heard of dietetics before, or did you have a certain perception of what a dietitian did? I had absolutely no idea, um, and I think I'm. Sounds like Rachel's just mentioned GCSE, so I'm a little bit older than Rachel. Um, so uh, when. I, you have to remember as a dancer, I think I lived a kind of a reasonably sort of sheltered life in some ways because I really had no idea. And when I was um, when I was in school, so I was a teenager in the 1980s doing O-levels, um, career advice, certainly at the school I went to, was females are going to go into nursing and males are going to go into the forces or carpentry. And that's how I remember it. Um, and... I'd never heard of a dietitian and I'm ashamed to say, so you, you mentioned that chance conversation with a, a neighbour um, and a friend. I had, you know, I, I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I'd been at home at this point for a couple of years, come home in 1999 to North Wales. Um, I'd worked, I'd done some hotel management work. I'd sold carpets for a while. Um, and I just knew I didn't want to do those things. They weren't really inspiring me, but I still didn't know any idea what I wanted to do. And I mentioned to this neighbour that I, I had this idea that nutrition, you know, would be able to, to treat disease. And I had no idea where to even start with those things. And she said, oh, that's what dietitians in the hospital do. And like so many others, and even today, you know, I, I truly thought dietitians would, would probably just deal with weight management and, and not much else. Or I thought dietitians were synonymous with weight watchers or it wasn't quite what I wanted to do. But, yeah, so it came as a complete surprise to me. And she put me in touch with the dietetic manager in the local department um, and I met the team there. So, yeah, it was a, it was a complete revelation to me what dietitians were. Amazing. And I presume in your department now, you're probably um, nurturing people from early on in their career wanting to come into dietetics and both of you championing, you know, the, the fantastic opportunities within our profession. I just want to come back to um, you, Rachel, at this stage. You, you're now lecturing students at King's College, which is obviously where you also trained. What led to you becoming a lecturer after qualifying as a dietitian? Um, I was really interested in the research side and even from my first degree in retail marketing, my final year, I really enjoyed my final year uh, dissertation project, which was looking at consumer behaviour. Um, so I really always had that kind of research interest. Um, and I think doing my throughout my degree, I mean, the plan was to, to kind of work clinically, um, but I really was in, in, I loved epidemiology lectures. Um, anything around the research side and I yeah my final year research project um, I really enjoyed and I just while I was waiting for my registration I just took a chance um, opportunity at Imperial working um, with the fantastic professor Gary Frost um, who is a dietitian um, and just really liked the environment um, and then continued on to a PhD um, and then from then on to progress my research, um, I um, took a lectureship at, at King's. So it's it's a combined role. So it's research and teaching. Um, the teaching I really enjoy. It's, as you say, it's kind of inspiring um, others that come into the profession and also really kind of 
thinking about the opportunities as well that dietetics brings. And I think that since I trained, there's been, um, in terms of opportunities that are now available um, post-graduation, um, are, are so much broader. So it's really trying to embrace that um, and just kind of grow the, grow the profession. Yeah, I'd like to chip, uh, chip in there. Can I, I'd like to just raise the point that, that for people who are listening and thinking of coming into dietetics and maybe pre, uh, have preconceived ideas of what they should like and should enjoy or what they need to be interested in. There's a perfect example there, I think, with what Rachel said. Um, she was really passionate about epidemiology, you know, quite early on in her career and, and, and what she was interested in. Personally, oh, I really hated epidemiology. I find it the least interesting thing. And what I did my dissertation in was in pure biochemistry and looking at cell biology and cells. You know, you can't get two things that are further apart in some ways. Um, but we're both still of, a, of the same profession, which just really shows not only the diversity of our backgrounds, but actually the diversity of our interests within our, in the same profession. So that's really cool, I think. Absolutely. And, and this podcast is all about showcasing the diverse opportunities for dietitians, whether that's clinical, academia, um, lecturing. Um, I just want to ask both of you, when you decided to change from your previous careers into dietetics, what were the reactions from your friends and family? Because it's quite a bold move, isn't it? Later in life, switching careers. Um, Rachel, what did those around you have to say about that? Mm, it's quite kind of mixed. I mean, obviously, I was kind of at that you know, it's kind of out of, out of my control somewhat in terms of kind of when I had to decide what I wanted to do. Um, yeah, I think most people were were, were positive. Some, there's quite a few people who are just kind of thinking starting over in your 30s is probably a challenge, especially as I needed to go to evening school because I didn't have any science, uh, the science qualifications to get onto uh, the degree programme. So I think it was that kind of, are you really going to spend this take this amount of time to, to retrain at this stage in your life. Um, but I think on the whole, people were really positive. It was more a kind of bit of shock, I think, because it's such an undertaking. It's not like doing kind of a few evening classes to, to train in something else. It is a massive chunk back out your life. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a, a mixed, mixed response. <laughs> Absolutely. It's no mean feat going back to studying. Sue, did you have a, a similar response from those around you? Yeah, I think so. I think I'm um, just reflecting back when you asked the question and the people I worked with, I was working in a carpet shop at the time. Um, and I think um, people were, I, I think, I guess people quite admired the fact that I was making such a bold move. I think, um, and I quite, I think lots of people probably like the idea of doing something like that and, and find it daunting. And so the fact that I was taking the bull by the horns and, and just going for it, I think, I, I think people were quite, um, uh, impressed by that and I do remember speaking to a couple of people that's very encouraging you know I remember thinking I was going into it for five years because the undergraduate course at the time was four years many of them now and more three-year programs um, and I also had to do the years access course so I had five years ahead of me which you know my Rachel said and you've just said it's not it's not a small undertaking isn't it you know I was 32 going into a five-year qualification full-time education Oof, massive but I remember somebody saying to me who was an older friend she was a few years older than me she's like oh five years will go in two minutes um and you know look gosh I'm almost 20 years on now to when I started my access course so yeah 
And Sue, um, I think the journey you've, you've had is fantastic. And now you're head of department at your dietetic trust. Can you just talk a little bit more about that transition from qualifying as a, a new dietitian to being head of department? What was that journey like and how long did that take you? Uh, yeah, uh, sure. I was um, uh, quite fortunate, I, I guess. Um, I took different um, doors opening uh, at different times. Um, so I graduated in 2007. Um, I started working soon thereafter, got a job as a band five in North Wales, in, in which is now Betsy Cadwell Health Board. Um, and so for the purpose of this podcast, to, to be clear, I was 37. So, you know, I was already in my late 30s when I started working. Um, I started as a band five with a, a mixed clinical caseload, typical caseload for what uh, most new graduates start with. Um, and I struggled with almost everything like graduates do. Uh, I was awful at time management. I was determined that every decision I made was going to kill somebody. And I was always working late and double checking my plans. So I, I, I really I was very typical of what most uh, so many band five experiences are. And the reason I say that is because for anybody that is a new dietitian that might be listening to this, um, uh, there's so many that come into new uh, programs as new graduates thinking they're really bad at the job because they they are fearful of killing people and they're making, you know, taking long time to make decisions and, and, and working overtime. And um, you're not bad at your job. It just takes really long time to consolidate your practice. Um, so I was just the same band five as everybody else. I was a band five for about 18 months. Um, and then we got some new money into the service um, for critical care and stroke. Um, and I already knew by then I wanted to stay in acute care. And I had a particular interest in those two specialty areas. So um uh yeah I, I I got that as my first band six position um then five years after that so I was a band six for five years um our health board went through an organizational change process which gave me the uh, opportunity to progress to a band seven uh, critical care and acute network lead so that was working across North Wales um the role was integral to me developing uh, a much greater knowledge and, and skill set around networking and partnership working on a much bigger scale um, to what I'd done before in clinical practice. I'd always been really interested in service and quality improvement, um, and I was able to get in my teeth into and lead um, some really great projects in that Band 7 role. Um, I completed my master's in advanced practice during that time too um, and focused my attention during that time um, of improving enteral nutrition practice in critical care. And that's what's actually informed my PhD now. Um, it was only a couple of years into my band seven role when the opportunity to apply for the head post came up. So I'd been um, a dietitian for, uh, let me think, I have to do the math very quickly in my head. So uh six or seven years so it wasn't too long um uh, and uh, I hadn't really anticipated that such an opportunity might come up quite so soon uh but I kind of I sometimes think you just have to take opportunities don't you as they arise so I just went for it and thought well yeah what have I got to lose um yeah and then I got it <laughs> so um so yeah that you know it, it, I, I was a band five for a while uh, band six for a while I should say Band seven for less of a time, but then an opportunity came up and uh, and it and it happened. So yeah, so um, and my supervisors, my my senior managers, I should say, are really really supportive of my continued interest in research. So 
as well as being able to manage the department, I'm able to continue to develop my interest in research, which is, of course, in line with our profession as well. So, so yeah, that's me. Gosh, and as they say, the rest is history, Sue. That's very, very impressive. Um, and congratulations. Yeah. I just want to go back to Rachel at this point and ask you a bit more about um, what you most enjoy lecturing and nurturing this future dietetic profession at King's. And also, do you find that a lot of the students that you lecture are, have also had previous careers prior to joining dietetics? Yes, I think it's, um, as I said, it's because... What I enjoy about uh, lecturing is obviously is on the teaching side is obviously trying it kind of it forces me to keep up to date with what's going on and developments um, and then hopefully acting as a mentor and kind of coaching um, students through um, the degree program. Um, yeah, but it's it it's in terms of number of uh, mature students, we do have quite a, a high intake of mature students, um, particularly on the MSc course um, and quite often there's maybe been a gap between um, studying kind of maybe nutrition. So some have already maybe had a career in nutrition or there are on the undergraduate course, a few that have come from different or, you know, very different um, degree programmes um, and careers. So I think what's really important is to really embrace um, when students um, join the degree programme and kind of finding out a bit more about what they did before because I always felt that it wasn't really taking into account what I did before um, and I really kind of want to make sure when when students come in and that's what their previous experience is is valuable and um, for them to take forward into their um, future career because it's kind of that feeling and I think you know it's kind of you know my academic career started when I you know, got my PhD but I've got a massive you know back catalogue of, of work experience and experience other degrees um, that you know made me into kind of the you know the academic that, that I am so I do think it is really important to acknowledge um, you know just as everybody comes on to the degree programs taking a different path or the choice that's led them there I think it's really important to just try to get students to feel that you know how they can put the skills that they've developed in previous careers to to um, to good use and again this comes into that diversity of you know well you might not decide that you want to just take that band five job what you've got you could actually come going to kind of um, various other kind of public health or um, NGO work so yeah I think it is it's really important to try and inspire um, students. Absolutely and if people were listening and they were considering um training as a dietitian as a second profession um, do you have any top tips or factors that you think they should consider before making that leap of faith um I think it's really thinking about what you want to do as a career and kind of maybe think about what you actually enjoy so basically going into a second career because I never really thought about my first career I knew I wanted to go to university to leave York and move to Manchester um, you know, I wanted vaguely to do something in business because I might earn a bit of money. Um, but I think if you're doing a career change, it's really thinking about actually what you you want to do and what you enjoy doing as well. So I think that's and then it's kind of just to make sure that dietetics is the right career path. Um, and I think, as you said, talking to people is really helpful as well, um, just to really understand the job and also to maybe understand the bits of the, the job that, you know, at, you know, 
maybe people find challenging as well. I think so, that's also important because there's quite a lot of students that maybe go on placement who've, and I was the same when I went on placement, and I did struggle. Um, and it's that adjustment as well. So I think it is really important to kind of find out about a bit of, you know, kind of what's and all about uh, the job and what it entails. Um, because I think, as you said, sometimes you can, it's, you know, you feel you're not doing a, a good job but then it's kind of, it, it, there is a really challenging bit. So I think it is to think about kind of the entirety of the job role. Um, but yeah, definitely thinking about, yeah, what you want to do and kind of where you think, you know, where you've got transferable skills as well. Definitely. And Sue, I just want to bring you in here. Um, I'm sure you'll probably echo a lot of what Rachel has said, but when you were working out, if you definitely wanted to become a dietitian, did you go and do any work experience or, um, you know, immerse yourself in that healthcare environment? How did you know that you definitely wanted to make that switch? And have you got any tips to share? Um, a lot of, um, so what I did, um, actually, the opportunities for even work experience there then weren't, um, as available, I did spend a, a little bit of time with the dietitians um, in the Bangor Hospital and with the manager there. But it wasn't, you know, I wasn't in a position to immerse myself in anything specific because I was still working full time um, in a sort of nine to five job. Um, and at the time, um, the first undergraduate course in Chester, it was the first year and they didn't actually interview people. <laughs> so I was quite lucky. I just got uh, through an, an application process. Um, so I didn't actually have to interview. As now, obviously, it's a much um, higher requirement to have achieved that work placement experience and, and to um, things have become, you know, the career's become much more competitive, hasn't it? So from that perspective, I, I truly just went on something I knew that interested me in theory. So as I say, I had this this idea in my own little mind about nutrition and disease <laughs> having no idea that it was an actual science um and then found out it was real uh, and and went for it and I don't I probably can't add too much more to what Rachel said um with regard to going forward into the profession um and and the things you should be considering um I guess some one of the things that it, it, it is to be mindful of it as as a as a mature person or an older person going from one career into another is you you one of the things you face is embracing the fact that you you're going to possibly move from being a, a relatively big fish in one pond to being um a very new kid on the block in a new career and that is remarkably can be quite daunting yeah yeah, I can imagine. And I wanted to ask you both a bit more about that in terms of that shift from working full time, being quite high profile in your professions to suddenly being a student again. How did you find that shift? And did you, for example, do any employed work alongside studying or did you fully immerse yourself in that student experience? Um, Rachel, can you tell us a bit more? Yeah, I think I really enjoyed I mean, I enjoyed going to evening class to get um, the qualification to get onto the degree programme. So I kind of had a transition. And well, at that time, I did do kind of part time shop shop work. Um, starting the degree programme, there's not much opportunity to do any um, work. So I think I did a bit of uh, freelance work, um, but I mainly did um, kind of volunteering work. So with the food chain charity as well. So just to try and get different experiences while um undertaking um the the degree because it is it's yeah it's quite 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 full-on in terms of contact hours and obviously with placement 
Um, and in terms of, yeah, so I, re- yeah, I really enjoyed being back in um, education. Um, and in my cohort, there's quite a number of, of mature students. Um, and quite a lot were on the same access course as well. Um, so that was really good. I think where when I went on placement, that's probably when I noticed it more to be more of a challenge um, from that kind of step down from being a managing director to then being kind of a tra- trainee. Um, so it's just a transition and it is just to uh, probably go with the flow. And I think being a mature student and you kind of think about why you're doing this in the long run. Um, so it was yeah, obviously kind of egress back a bit um, to kind of you know being, being a junior. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a few, you know, when I was, I was training, yeah, there's a few um, situations where I kind of yeah felt, I don't know, it wasn't kind of um, embraced in terms of kind of being a mature student. Um, and I don't know, again, is I think this is, if anyone's listening who, um, is clinical supervisor to dietetic students is to really kind of you know talk to mature students and find out a bit more about the background because um, that really can really help and it'll help you as well um, so yeah I think it was mainly on placement which I really noticed that kind of being a mature person. <laughs> no that's really interesting I mean placements are challenging for anyone of course they're quite high pressured and stressful and yeah if there's if there are those dynamics I can imagine it being difficult Sue, did you have any um, experiences on your placement similar to what Rachel said? Yeah, um, I think, uh, yes and no. So I I think I found the whole studying experience liberating. Um, I I thought perhaps I'd be out of my depth, um, which it it isn't, it it is, you know, you you do learn different ways, you learn... um, more about yourself as a, as a mature uh, person um, and I think that it, learning is is easier in some ways because um, you've got a, a mature attitude towards learning and you're driving towards something you want to do but um, I think with regard to placement I think what a lot of mature students experience is um, a fear of failure um, and being in a placement environment is quite raw um, and it depends um, on who it is you're learning around. So um, you've got younger people um, who may find it challenging to train an older person. And, you know, that in itself can be quite, you may have a, you know, a graduate band five or a relatively young band six, bands don't really matter, but there you've turned up, you, you know, you're in your late thirties, early forties, and you're being trained by somebody who's in their twenties. And I think as that can be intimidating both ways. Um, uh, but you've also, and, and I did experience some of those things. I remember um, having conversations with some of the young people saying they felt quite embarrassed because they were having to train me and I was older and, you know, they saw me as somebody who was already very knowledgeable and, you know, in some ways, but clearly not dietetics. Um, and so that's what I always used to just say, look, I, I may know a lot about some things, but I don't really know much about dietetics at the moment. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm a, I'm a junior, so treat me as such. But yeah, some people found it easier and some people find it harder to deal with mature candidates. Um, and I think for us as mature candidates, um, we, we were able to review our expectations of ourselves and others, and we need to, um, and reckon, uh, you know, yeah, that, yeah different experiences placements are are full of all sorts of different characters aren't they and as a mature candidate you're you're in a a position to help negotiate some of those pathways in learning 
I think uh, that's if I could just sorry if I could just make, I think what Sue said is really interesting I think maybe when we're thinking about um, if we're getting more um, mature students into the profession I think that's a really good point because yeah I know a lot of kind of um, entry level you know since you're a dietitian then you're there to you know uh, train and mentor um, student dietitians so maybe it'd be interesting to find out experiences of um, uh, dietitians have been in that situation and then maybe mm-hmm. just to kind of break down some barriers because I definitely felt there was kind of it was yeah obviously as you said there maybe felt a bit embarrassed telling me more or less kind of what I should be doing um and yeah so I think that would be really really good really really helpful I think could be a research project yeah I was just thinking that's quite interesting because obviously we get a lot of communication training as a dietitian but it's much more about patient facing communications you don't really get taught much in terms of leadership skills and and how to train colleagues and it is if you haven't got experience of that I imagine it can be quite a daunting task so Yeah, very interesting. I just want to move on to ask you both about what you feel are the biggest advantages of studying dietetics later in life. Um, Sue, would you like to go first? Um, I think having life skills under your belt helps um, with confidence. Um, You've got so many attributes to bring to the party, um, but you might not realise it until you're in the profession. Um, you spend so much of your time being fearful of what you don't know that you can easily forget what you do know and what you've already got to bring. And some of that is around having already dealt with different types of people um, requiring different communication skills and different uh, ways of working. You've probably already dealt with conflict resolution. You might not, you know, you might not realize it's got a title, um, but you'll have, you know, you'll have resolved conflicts between other colleagues and friends and professionals along the way. You've got so much to already bring that you might not realise. Um, and that's, of course, not to say that our younger workforce aren't an asset too. They are absolutely, definitely. Um, but, you know, as as older individuals have too. Um, uh, I think it's uh, mostly, I think it's a pleasure to work in a profession that really does strive to include people of all ages. Um because uh, the balance of, of ages in our workplace does create a fantastic dynamic. So I do think that is a fantastic advantage of the profession in and of itself, as well as being a person who comes into it um, at a, a mature age. Yeah, really, really echo what you've said. Um, Rachel, do you have any thoughts on that in terms of advantages? Uh, not much really to add to what Sue said. I mean, I think what I found is probably when I um studied PhD probably being um even kind of studying my PhD I was probably um yeah a, a mature student um because quite a lot of uh, PhD students go straight from um BSc MSc um right the way through so I think it was probably more kind of going into academia um, and the PhD and being able to kind of bring some kind of um kind of that more work-life balance as well and maybe that kind of work ethic of treating it um, you know in terms of kind of planning and yeah cut off as well because I think and again you know obviously that's a different conversation thinking about mental health in, in academia there is a you know very long working hours um, and in terms of kind of um, mental health so I think yeah having a previous career has, has, has helped kind of later on in, in my dietetic career as, as uh, academic and what would you say have been the biggest challenges that you faced along the way, Rachel? Um, I mean, financial is obviously, it's kind of quite an undertaking um, to kind of, I mean, I was lucky for my BSc 
to still have um, the fees paid, but obviously in terms of kind of living as a student, where there's not really much opportunity to work um, part-time and then to go on to a PhD as well, um, which isn't particularly well paid. So I think that has been very challenging. And also I think, um, yeah, on kind of um, friendships and relationships, it can be you know, quite a selfish thing as well to kind of retrain. And then particularly as they, you know, doing four years and then another kind of three and a half years as a PhD. Um, so that's quite hard to balance that because it, it is easy to kind of get kind of, you know, all con- it can be all consuming. So I think it's, um, yeah, trying to make sure you you have have that balance, which I do think it helps being, being a mature student. But yeah, I'd say balance and finance has probably been the biggest challenges. Yeah, I think most students can probably relate to that, especially the work-life balance um, and the finances. Sue, did you find that you encountered similar difficulties during your years studying? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I hadn't even thought about that because I was thinking about challenges. And um, yes, certainly, you know, yes, money ultimately, you know, it's um, it's a hard slog. And um, similarly, I I, I worked for a short time at the beginning. I didn't answer that question. I just realised, but um, but I didn't work towards the end of my um, degree because it was just I had a poorly family member as well, and just you know family life. That's what happened. So um, I just you know I just couldn't. So family life. And and you're right, Rachel. You know you do. I, I was so committed to trying to get through my degree and commit so much time to it. And it is so all consuming. Um, I'm very fortunate that I've got good friends who coped with the fact that I wasn't really very good at staying in touch. You know, I'd be like, I've got an assignment to write. I cannot speak to you for six weeks. <laughs> so just, you know, and, and you don't realize how habit forming that is. And I, 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 I still have to work to address that now because I work and, you know, I'm, I'm researching myself. So it's something you always have to be mindful of. I think something I've reflected on um, as a challenge I, I didn't necessarily perceive it as such at the time but perhaps just reflecting on some of the challenges I do see other people experience is um, when people feel that they they are stuck for opportunities so you you will sometimes see in um, a practice environment that you know there becomes a, a almost competition amongst people for who can get progressed the fastest between bands and um, you know as much as I, I appreciate you know, yes, I, I did progress quite quickly in my career, but I am an example of somebody who was a band, five, a band six for five years. And in dietetics, that can sometimes be quite a long time. I mean, and people assume they're going to progress um, really quickly. Um, but, you know, again, for anyone who's listening, you know, just trying to be mindful and patient. Um, so many opportunities in dietetics come along. There's so many of them. And it's just a case of being true to yourself and not just going for opportunities because, you know, that if they're not the right ones, don't go for them. But things do change, things do progress and um, opportunities come through all time. Um, so I, I do think that's a challenge for some. It's just assuming they should be progressing at a much faster pace and they don't, you don't need to just, in, you know, enjoy the job. Yeah, it's not a race. I think that's yeah. a, a common theme that I've heard amongst other band fives that I've spoken to. Just as we come towards the end of the episode, I wondered if you both have some advice that you would say to someone who was considering entering dietetics later in life, but perhaps fear is holding them back. What would your main message be to them, Rachel? I think um, dietitians are a very friendly bunch. So I would say um, contact dietitians in academia and different walks of life. Um, I think um, talk through um, with, with the dietitians and, and Bev, and as, you know, as we said, it's kind of 
maybe not just people, uh, dietitians who work in acute hospital setting, but those that work in public health and academia. Um, and yeah, I think that's probably the best if you kind of sat there thinking about it. Um, it's yeah, we're a friendly profession. So yeah, please um, reach out and contact us. Sue, have you got any further words of wisdom to add? Oh, I'm not sure if I call it wisdom, uh, Harriet, but um, uh, two mottos I live my life by. Um, I don't want to wake up in five years and realise that by now I could have achieved something if only I'd have taken the opportunity and feel the fear and do it anyway. Uh, These galvanise me to act. Um, That's not to say I don't and that I haven't felt fear fear of failure, fear of giving up the comfort of what I already know, etc. Throughout both careers, I've had failures and it can be embarrassing, upsetting, demoralising. But with every failure, there's an opportunity to learn. With every step outside of your comfort zone, um, I've learned to be comfortable in a new environment or with a new skill. Um, So I would say never let fear be the thing, the thing that holds you back from something you really want to do, having explored the avenues, as Rachel's just highlighted. Um, With regard to entering an academic profession from a non-academic one as well, um, people would be amazed at the breadth of non-academic experiences to people coming on a dietetic course. So um, in my experience of, of being a mature student and training mature students, um, only ha- a minority have um, academic backgrounds. So um, I, I, you know, don't fear that. Access to higher education courses and universities have got a range of support facilities and strategies to support people to develop academic skills in learning to, you know, write essays, take exams, do maths and statistics. It's all there and people can achieve it um, and they might be surprised at what they're capable of. Oh, that's very inspiring. Thank you for sharing that. And are there any particular resources that either of you would recommend if we have mature people who are potentially considering becoming a mature student? Are there any websites, for example, that offer more information on routes into dietetics? Uh, British Dietetics Association website has got a lot of valuable resources um, and it also has links to uh, the universities and the degree programmes available. So, And then you can basically, con- you could contact the universities as well and um you can speak to um academics in those departments so i just say don't i think there's this kind of fear of not wanting to email but yeah please email um academics and they're usually more than happy to um kind of have a quick chat um, or answer some questions by email i think that's the same for clinical dietitians as well um so yeah i think yeah in terms of yeah, finding out a bit more about the process and the degree programme, I'd say that's probably the, the first go-to. Thank you. And we can certainly link to the BDA link in the show notes if, if anyone's looking for more information. Are there any other resources that you would recommend, Sue? Uh, no, exactly the same as Rachel. BDA definitely got those good resources. And exactly as Rachel would say, we would all embrace, um, you know, receiving some emails of of, of asking questions and we can sign posts to people to you know have little chats we've you know look for dietetic assistant jobs look for volunteer posts we you know so many of our departments are really keen to include people in our professions and we will try our best to support work experience and volunteer um, opportunities when the opportunities arise we you know we'll try to embrace those to support people so it's you know communicating being in touch you know open the doors yeah, one thing I would add to that is so many dietitians are on social media, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Definitely. 
LinkedIn. So I would always encourage people to connect, follow. I don't know if are either of you on social media. Yeah, I use Facebook uh, mostly for personal things. Twitter is all for professional stuff. So if anyone's on Twitter, wants to follow me along, hashtag us in. Um, we have a hashtag for dietitians in North Wales, um, all one word, obviously, um, which shows all our activities. And people are always welcome to you know, follow and ask me questions on there and, and find out what we're getting up to in North Wales Dietetics. Lovely. Thank you. Rachel, are you on Twitter as well? Yes, I'm on Twitter. Um, so again, that's... Um, for work and then I um, LinkedIn as well um, that's again a good good place to, to message and, and contact me we'll make sure we tag you on Twitter so that people can find you if they have questions now my final question for this episode is what would be your one key takeaway point that you'd like people listening to take away from this episode Sue I'll come to you first on this sure so uh, my points I would like to um, thank all the mature students who are already on the path to joining our profession I'd like to say good luck to those who are about to enter and for anyone thinking about it who is keen and has already researched it if it's for you just do it don't delay Get don't advice. delay get on <laughs> join the bus yeah that How was about- basically yeah that was basically what I was going to say it's just get inspired and yeah just kind of get 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 on and uh, yeah just find out more and then if it's right for you just yeah make that step yeah life's too short for hanging about get going yep. well thank you so much both of you for your time today and for sharing your invaluable experience with us and a huge thank you to new ultra for making this podcast possible if you enjoy listening to the dietitian cafe podcast please do consider subscribing and or leaving a five-star review rating so that we can reach even more healthcare professionals. You can follow New Outra on social media at New Outra across all platforms to keep up to date with the podcast and to hear the latest updates on medical nutrition. Thank you for listening and our next episode will be out soon.